You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm chapter 73 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Amen. And while you're standing there, I'd like for us to read verse number one again, because if you and I, if we get nothing else tonight, now don't let that be a a permission for you to go to sleep. Oh, I got what I was supposed to get. But if we get nothing else tonight, I don't want you to leave without getting verse 1 in your heart and in your mind. And I want you to remind yourself this week. I want you to quote this this week. I want you to understand this principle is true no matter what happens. Ready? Let's read verse 1 one more time. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. One more time. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you'd speak to us as we do our best to preach and to teach. And Lord, as our our hearts are attentive, our minds are alert, and we are going to do our best tonight to focus on what thus saith the Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you'd speak to every heart. I pray we would realize tonight that this is not just a a group of people that are gathered to hear from a man. This is not a group of people gathered to hear man's ideas or man's thoughts or man's suggestions. But we truly need to hear from the Word of God. And we need the Holy Spirit of God to show us uh, the truth and to lead us and guide us into all truth this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This psalm... Uh, and I'm sure we will not get through it, so don't get scared when you see there's 28 verses. But we will finish it at some point. But this psalm is interesting. It's a psalm of Asaph. We'll come back and we'll look at that in a moment. But I don't want you to miss verse 1. That word truly in verse number 1 is the same word that you'll find in the New Testament when the Bible says verily. Jesus would often say, verily, verily, I say unto thee, or truly, truly. Now, 
as if you had to wonder if what Jesus was saying was true. If he says it, it's true. If it's in this book, it's true. But just to remind us, this is not up for debate. Verse number one is not a question. It should not be a discussion. It should be settled in your heart and it should be settled in my heart that God is good, period. God's good no matter what. I want to remind us tonight, and, and we sometimes think, well, God is good if he does such and such for me. But let's go back and let's, let's think about and let's consider what we deserve. You see, if we think about what we deserve, anything better or anything additional to what we deserve is only the goodness and grace of God. What we deserve tonight is we all deserve to spend eternity in a place called hell. You say, well, pastor, then if somebody dies and somebody goes to hell, then God is not good to that person. I'd say, oh, no, you're wrong. I'll tell you how God is still good. Because we deserve to spend eternity in hell. But God made a way that nobody has to go to hell. God provided his only begotten son to die on a cross, to shed his blood, to pay the price for our sin. So if anybody goes to hell, they go to hell walking over the grace and the goodness of God because God already provided a way of salvation. God's already offered the gift. And if you walk away from that gift, and if you do not accept that gift, you are rejecting a good God. So God is good no matter what. So let's bring it, bring it to where we're at tonight. You see, God is good tonight whether you are on the mountaintop in your life or you're in the valley. And we've got both. We've got both, we got both groups tonight. We've got some, and you may not know who, who's who, and you may think you know this person's doing great and this person's not, but whether you are on the mountaintop or you're in the valley, that does not change the fact that God is still good. God's goodness is not dependent upon your opinion or my opinion. God's goodness is not dependent upon my circumstances or your circumstances. God's goodness has already been settled. God is good, period. It might be in your life, it might be sunshine, or it might be rain. It might be in your life that you are experiencing the best health of your life, or you might be experiencing the worst health and the greatest sickness of your life. You may be in wealth tonight. Bills are paid, needs are met, things are going good, jobs doing great, uh, finances are great, or you may be tonight the lowest you've ever been in poverty. You may be tonight in one of those categories. Maybe you're somewhere in between. But I want to remind us that God is still good. Amen. Truly, God is good to Israel. Now, Asaph makes that statement at the very beginning of this psalm because if you don't capture that statement at the beginning, you're going to, throughout this psalm, you're going to lose track of what really is important because Asaph is about to describe a situation that happened in his life. Now, you say, well, well who's Asaph? I'm glad you asked. Asaph 
He must have been. Well, let's look at verse number two and let's, let's see something about Asaph and then I'll tell you who he was and, and uh, what, uh, he, uh, what responsibilities he had. He says in verse two, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. He said, it was almost over for me. He said, I, I was about ready to give up. I was about ready to give in. I was about ready to throw in the towel. There was no way I could keep on going. I was ready to slip. I was ready to wipe out. I was ready to be a casualty. I was not going to make it. And here's why. Verse number three. He said, because I was very envious. He said, I was envious when I saw that the wicked were prospering. He said, that made me mad. That discouraged me. That upset me, that frustrated me. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be God's people prospering. It's supposed to be the righteous people that are successful. But he said, I saw the opposite. I saw that the wicked people out there in the world, they were having the time of their life. He said, that bothered me. Now, let's go back. Who's Asaph? You say, oh, he must have been a wicked person. No. He must have been a backslidden Christian. Maybe in his heart at this time, but you never would have guessed that. You say, I know Asaph was a new convert. He probably was just trying to figure things out and kind of see how the Christian life was supposed to go. And he was probably a brand new baby Christian. No, again. You know who Asaph was? He was the song leader for King David. He was the one that led the choirs. He was the one that led the music. He was the one that led in worship. And you say, well, why do you tell us that? Because you may be here tonight, and although I wouldn't know it, maybe the person next to you wouldn't know it, you may be having some of the same struggles as Asaph, and you could be a pastor. You say, no way. Pastors would never get disillusioned. Pastors would never get discouraged. No, it's not possible. Sure it is. You could be here and you could be a Sunday school teacher. And maybe you're having some of these same thoughts. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're a deacon. Uh, maybe you have uh, been serving God. Maybe you sing in the choir. Maybe you, you work in the nursery. Maybe you uh, work in the sound booth. Maybe you are a greeter every service and, and you've got a smile on your face. But in your heart, you're thinking, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I'm struggling, and the people out in the world, they seem like they're doing just fine. This could happen, by the way. Discouragement could happen to anybody. Any Christian at any point could start to get their focus on the wrong things and start to feel like God's not good anymore. God used to be good to me, but God's not good anymore. God used to do things for me, but God doesn't do things for me anymore. But that's where we have to go back to verse 1 and be reminded of the fact that God's goodness is not up for debate. God's goodness is not your opinion or my opinion. God's goodness is already settled. It is an attribute of God, and God never changes. God is good no matter what. But Asaph was discouraged. You say, why was he so discouraged? Well, he started to focus on the prosperity of the wicked. Notice verse 3. He said, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. 
You see, Asaph, Asaph saw that there were people that were not serving God, but they seemed to be successful. He saw people that were not going to church, and it looked like they were having a great old time. He saw people that were not tithing, that were not giving, and boy, it seemed like they had a lot of extra money. It seemed like their bank account was bulging. He saw people that were living for this world, and it seemed like they were doing better than the people that were living for God. I want you to notice what happened to Asaph. He says in verse 2, here's my testimony. This is my story. This is what happened to me. My feet were almost gone. I was ready to slip. I was ready to give up. I was ready to give in because he said, I saw something. I want to remind us this evening that what you see and what you focus on is so important because what you focus on is going to determine how you live. That's why it's so important for Christians that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Because if you get your eyes on the world, this world starts looking good. And you get your eyes on this world and Satan is going to sell you a bill of goods. He's going to tell you that you're wasting your time serving God and you're wasting your life and you're wasting your money and you're wasting your, 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 your good years. And he's going to sell you a lie to make you think that this down here is what we're supposed to live for. That's why we must have our focus right. Asaph got his focus on the wrong things. He started to, to focus on what the wicked were doing rather than on what God wanted him to do. Colossians chapter 3, the Bible reminds us that if we are risen with Christ, if we've been saved, if we've been born again, if we have uh, been raised in newness of life to live for Christ, then we should set our affections on things above, not on things on this earth. We are to uh, set our affection not on things that are temporal, but on things that are eternal. The men came to the disciples and the disciples were trying to meet the needs and the disciples were trying to fix the problem. And they said to the disciples, they said, sirs, there's only one person we want to see. There's only one person we came looking for today. And they said, sirs, we would see Jesus. I want to tell you, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You, you can't keep your eyes on a pastor. You can't keep your eyes on a Sunday school teacher. You can't keep your eyes on some hero of the faith, although you ought to follow people as they follow Christ. But people will let you down. People will disappoint you. If I haven't disappointed you yet, you might be the only one. So hang on tight. I will disappoint you. I will let you down. I will forget. I will do something. I will say something or not say something because nobody is supposed to follow a person at the expense of not following Christ. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says that, wherefore we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us therefore lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You say, how do we run the race? It's a difficult race. It's a grueling race. How do we keep going? By looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We must keep our eyes 
on Jesus. Asaph got himself in trouble when he took his eyes off of God and he got his eyes on the wicked. Notice quickly, let's see what Asaph saw about the wicked. Number one, I want you to see, I'd encourage you to take some notes and keep a paper in your Bible. I'll finish next week. I know I won't get through it all, but I want you to see what Asaph saw. I want to warn you that this is what you will see. If you look at the wicked, you will be deceived the same way that Asaph was deceived. Number one, he saw their prosperity. He saw that they were prospering. Verse number three, he said, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Notice verse 12. He said, behold, these are the ungodly who prosper. Notice these next three words, verse 12. They prosper where? In the world. Yeah, and you know what happens to the world? The world passes away. Someday this world's going to burn up. If all your treasure is invested in this world, that is not a good, that is not a wise investment. Because when you lay up for yourselves treasures in this world, they're going to be destroyed. They're going to rust. They're going to be corrupted. They're going to be stolen. But that's why we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. But Asaph saw they were prospering in the world, verse 12. It says they increase in riches. He said, not only do they have a lot, they're gaining every day. Man, every day they look at their bank account. Every day they look at their, their stocks. Every day they look at their investments. And every day it's going up, up, up. They're prospering. Number one, they prosper. Number two, he saw that they had what appeared to be Peace. You know, that is something else that Satan loves to deceive you. He loves to deceive me into thinking that wicked people, everything's good for them. Because what you see on the outside, that's not the real person. That's not the real them. They're working so hard on the image. They're working so hard to make you think that they've got it together. But can I tell you, you know what's usually going on on the inside? A lot of heartache, a lot of misery, a lot of turmoil, a, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of frustrations, a lot of stress. But it seemed like the wicked had peace. Notice verses 4 and 5. There are no bands in their death or pains in their death. Their strength is firm. Uh, they're not getting sick. They're not in pain. It seems like they're strong. Verse 5. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. It seems like the wicked, they've got peace. It seems like they've got it made. It seems like they don't have any problems. Seems like they're never sick. It seems like they don't struggle with finances. It seems like they don't have car trouble. Seems like they don't have washing machines going out. Seems like they don't have roofs that are leaking. Seems like they don't have drains that are backing up. Seems like they don't have toilets that are overflowing. You know, it seems like everything's going good for them. They don't have problems. They just have peace, it seems. Notice verse 6. Not only do they have prosperity and peace, but number 3, they got a lot of pride. It says in verse 6, Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. They not only have proud, but they're even proud of their pride. You know, they, they, are, they are just 
They are just uh, uh, shining with their pride and look at me and look at all I got. They don't mind bragging about it. They don't mind boasting about it. They're violent, the Bible says in verse number six, violence covereth them as a garment. And here's the crazy thing. They're getting away with it. God hates pride, but how come they are getting away with it? They're proud, they're arrogant, they're violent, they're hurtful to people, and yet it seems like nothing is happening to them. Notice number four, they have plenty. Verse number seven, their eyes stand out or their eyes bug out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They have more than you could even think of. You're over here, you're trying to figure out how you're gonna pay their bills. And they're trying to figure out what's the next toy they're gonna buy. You're over here trying to, to put food on the table and they're going out to eat every meal. They're going to the nicest places. They're having the, the nicest things. And it seems like they have plenty and they're living for the devil. And here you are trying to live for God and it seems like you're trying to scrape things together. Number five, I want you to notice their purpose. Verses eight and nine, they are corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. Uh, they, verse number nine, they set their mouth against the heavens. They are against God, they are anti-God, they are anti-Christ, and it seems like they're winning. It seems like they're doing just fine. Now, I'm just telling you, this is what Asaph said. He said, this is what I saw. This is what I observed. Asaph said, this has bothered me. This has troubled me. This has frustrated me. I know that God is good to Israel, but it seems like God is being good and God is blessing the wicked. And meanwhile, I'm over here just trying to get by. Notice next, their power and their prestige, verses eight and nine. They're corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. They are talking big. They're acting big. They've got power. They've got prestige. It seems like everybody's hanging on their every word. You're trying to just get the boss to listen to you. And this person over here, it seems like they just throw out a hint and the boss does what they, and you're thinking, what is going on? It's not supposed to be like this. That's what he saw about the wicked. But I want you to notice what Asaph saw about the righteous. It says in verse number one, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Asaph said, I was trying to live pure. I was trying to be clean. And by the way, Christians ought to live pure and Christians ought to live clean and Christians ought to do what's right. And he said, I was trying to be pure. Verse number 13, Asaph said, verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, I've washed my hands in innocency. He said, I'm trying to stay right with God. I'm trying to get my sins confessed. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. He said, I'm trying to be pure. Notice verse number two. He said, I'm in a precarious spot. He said, you would think that doing what is right and being pure, you would think that I was solid and you would think that nothing could move me. 
But he said, I was getting ready to slip. I was getting ready to fall. I was getting ready to wipe out. He said, I was in a precarious situation. Notice the problem. We've already, we've seen the verse, but I want to make sure we identify the problem. It says in verse 3, I was envious at the foolish. Can I tell you, envy will destroy you no matter who it is you're looking at. If you are not happy with what you have and you've always got to have what somebody else has, you will never be satisfied in your life. Because there's always going to be somebody that's got more. There's always going to be somebody that's got better or nicer or newer or faster or more expensive. And if you and I don't learn to be content with such things as we have, you'll never be happy in the Christian life. You know what the enemy is of contentment? The enemy of contentment is comparison. You start to compare what you have with what somebody else has and you will never be happy. We must be content. But Asaph said, honestly, my problem, I was envious. I was jealous. I wanted what they had. And then in verse number 14, Asaph takes it a step further. He says, I was plagued. He says in verse number 14, for all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. He says, I've been sick. I've been afflicted. I've been chastened. I've been disciplined. I feel like God is chastening me. I feel like God is correcting me and I'm trying to live right and I'm trying to do right. Then he gets to verse number 16. And it's almost like Asaph is ready to here just say, I'm done. And please don't raise your hand. <laughs> please don't nod your head. Please don't, you know, poke your spouse and say, you know what he's talking about. But have you ever been there? You ever just been so frustrated? You're trying to do what's right. You're trying to live for God. You're, you're following all the Bible you know, and you're trying to read the stuff you don't know. And you're praying and you're working, and you're trying to be faithful, and you're trying to serve God, and you get to the point where you're like, what else can I do? You ever been there? Well, that's where Asaph was. He says in verse number 16, he said, when I thought to know this, when I tried to figure it out, he said, it was too painful for me. You ever had something that you just, you couldn't dwell on too much because it just made you too mad? It just irritated you too bad to even think about it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, there's, maybe you're thinking of somebody right now and you're like, yeah, that person right there, they're living for the devil and it just seems like everything's going good and I'm trying over here. And it makes you mad even thinking about it. And Asaph said, it, it, was, it was just too much. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't even think about it. I couldn't even figure it out. But then I want you to notice verse number 17. The lights came on, and Asaph said, until. He came to a point in time in his life where he said, aha, God showed me, and it all makes sense now. He said, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Oh, what do you know? That's where we are. We're here tonight. We're in the house of God. And Asaph said, I couldn't figure this stuff out until I went to church. He said, I got in the house of God and it was like God turned on the light switch and it all made sense. 
He said it all fell into place. Asaph said, I got the proper perspective of what really matters. I want to say this. If you and I are going to get the proper perspective, if we are going to have that realization that Asaph had, number one, you got to be in the right place and you've got to be looking the right direction. Asaph said, I got into the sanctuary of God and he said, and then I saw this. He said, I didn't see where they are right now. I didn't see where they used to be. He said, but I saw where they were going to be. He said, I saw their end. And can I tell you, friend, that's what every one of us need to look for. Not the past, not just the present, but every one of us need to look to the end. And when you look to the end, you look to the way it's going to be when we stand before God. When you look to how it's going to be when we get to heaven, can I tell you, this world and this life, it'll all fall into place and it will all make sense when you're in the right place and you're looking the right direction. And Asaph said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Notice verse number 21. He said, I was convicted. I was pricked in my heart. He said, my, my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. He said, God, God just spoke to me and said, Asaph, what is your problem? What were you thinking? Uh, did, did, you, did you doubt that God was good? Did you doubt that God was going to take care of things? Boy, I've been there before. You ever just have to have the, the Holy Spirit kind of smack you upside the head sometimes and say, hey, wake up. What are you thinking? Don't you, don't, you, don't you know what God said? Don't you know what the Bible says? And his heart was pricked, the conviction of God. Verse number 23, Asaph said, I've been protected. Notice verse number 23, nevertheless, Asaph said, I was envious at the wicked, I was upset, I was jealous, I was mad, I couldn't figure it out, but nevertheless, I am continually with thee. He said, God, you have never left me. You have never failed me. You have never deserted me. All those times I was having that pity party, God, you were there the whole time and you never left me once. He said, thou hast holden me by my right hand. I, I, I was trying to remember uh, this afternoon, I was thinking about this story and I don't remember where we were, but in the last week or so, I was with uh, the girls, with Chloe and Kylie, and Kylie had gone ahead of us and, and Chloe had my hand. And she had on these rain boots and, and we were going somewhere and I didn't see it coming. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect it. But she just takes a running leap with these rain boots. And when she hit that, that slick concrete, those rain boots were not effective. That rubber was not catching anything. And I'm telling you, it was whew, feet just flew out from under her, scared her, scared me. I didn't tell her it scared me, but it scared me. And I'm telling you, she thought she was gone. She thought she was history. But there was one thing that kept her from falling. Daddy had her hand. And you know what keeps us from falling, Jude, verse number 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. You know what's able to keep your feet from slipping? You know what's able to keep you from, from, from losing it all? 
is when God has you tight in his grip. And you may not be holding on to God like you should, but I'll promise you this, he's holding on to you. And you may feel like at times that you've lost God, but God has not lost you. And Asaph said all along, I had the hand of God that was holding me and I was safe and secure. He's holding your hand and I'm glad he won't let us go. Verse number 24, Asaph said, I discovered my purpose. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Asaph said, duh, what was I thinking? I'm not going to stay down here. I'm not living in this world. He said the hand of God was going to guide me from here all the way to glory. And friend, I want to tell you, you and I, we have been held and God has a purpose for us. And his purpose is not just down here. His purpose is for all of eternity. Verse number 10, we see the power. Asaph said in verse 26, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. Asaph said, I didn't have any more strength. But it wasn't my strength anyway. It was God's. Can I tell you how you keep from slipping and how you keep from falling and how you keep from getting off track? You rest and rely in the power and the strength of Almighty God. My flesh and heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. The person, verse number 25. Verse number 25, it says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Asaph said, I've got God, and that's enough for me. There's nobody else that I desire. There's nobody else I want to be with. There's nobody else that I need except for God. Notice his position in verses 27 and 8. He said, I just want to be close to God. It is good for me, verse 28, to draw near to God, his position. Then I see his passion. Verse number 28, he said, I want to draw near to God. I put my trust in God. I want to declare all thy works. He said, I want to tell others. That was Asaph's passion. He said, I want to be close to God and I want to let others know what God has done for me. He can do for them. Then lastly, verse number 28, Asaph said, I want to praise God that I may declare all thy works. You know what will help all of us in our life is when we just get our focus and our attention off of ourselves. We get our focus on him. And we just say, I'm just going to praise the Lord. I'm just going to give God the glory. I'm just going to thank him for what he's done in my life. Lord, I thank you for these truths. And Lord, I thank you for giving us a very, a very transparent view into the heart and life of Asaph, a man that served you, a man that led in worship, a man that walked with you, but yet a man who got discouraged, a man who became envious when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. But Lord, I thank you that that perspective all changed when he came to the house of God, when he realized that the wicked are the ones who are in slippery places. The wicked are the ones that will face eternal judgment, but the righteous are held by the hand of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. 
led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.